1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello and welcome. This is Caroline K from K.co, hostess of the Snippets of Genius podcast, business and success coach. If you're a client, show guest, weekly listener, or a friend of mine, welcome back. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here, and I hope that this show is exactly the insight you've been needing to move the needle on your business idea. And today, my genius guest is Melissa Cash, the CEO and co-founder of a female-founded company, which has been on the up and up. They are the team behind the Apple Design award-winning preschool app, Poc Playroom. It's a collection of educational toys that foster creativity, imagination, and learning through open-ended play. In today's show, we will show you how to clear the confusion and find your new direction, as we get to go on her journey that delivered the moments of clarity that helped her understand what to do next and how to play to her strengths, and how you can do it too. So Melissa, without further ado, please tell us about your startup journey.
1: Sure, yeah, I'd love to, so, yeah, my entrepreneurial journey was very serendipitous for coming back to Toronto and being introduced to my co-founders and starting pock Pock. I work in a bunch of random jobs, but ultimately spent a big chunk of my career at the Walt Disney Company, which was another serendipitous story, so <laughs> I'm happy to get tell into us how that, that story, happened. sure. Sure. So I was living in Germany at the time in Munich. And I was actually working for another company, a small fashion startup. And I was tasked with going to a trade show. So I my boss gave me a bunch of money, I headed over and on my way, I stopped at the grocery store, and I actually ended up getting mugged. So I lost all of the money that I was supposed to take with me to this conference, I was obviously freaking out. (laughs) And
0: oh, my gosh.
1: It was a very rocky road, but luckily I had an amazing mentor and boss at the time who told me not to worry and sent me on my way. And while I was at that conference, I was standing at a bus stop and a woman asked me what time the bus was coming, and she ended up working at the Walt Disney Company. So we got to chatting, we really hit it off, and that conversation ended up leading to me being hired to work as a product designer for baby and toddler products for the German speaking market. And I had no German language expertise at that point at all. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a a tall order, but it was a very exciting opportunity. And it also just really showed me how you never know who you're going to meet when you're going to meet them. And just to really be open to the serendipitous nature of life. So I was so happy to have met her. She's a lifelong friend who I still speak with today. And my journey at Disney was incredible.
0: It must have been a hell of a conversation at that bus stop. Wish I could have been flying a fly <laughs> on wall at that point. But why did you ever leave working at Disney? I mean, come on, that's just the coolest job ever. So... <laughs> Why did you choose to leave?
1: <laughs> it was pretty cool. But I, I felt like my, my journey, both at Disney and in Germany, had was starting, start, sort of starting to wind down. I felt like I had peaked in my role there. And I really was hungry for something new and more challenge that wasn't centered so much around design anymore, but also around building business. And I ultimately also wanted to move back to Canada. So I, I left the company and left Germany and landed back here in Toronto.
0: Okay, so when you landed back, was it kind of like, well, fresh sheet, let's see what I'm going to do next? Or did you have a more of an idea?
1: Oh, I had no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good,
1: yep, been there. <laughs> totally know that uh, feeling. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember even talking to my brother Ryan about it and asking him like, what should I do? You know, what's going on in Toronto? What's the scene? And at first, I, I when I left Disney, I felt very proud of what I had accomplished there. And I know that we definitely made a difference in some kids lives and that felt really great. But I also felt to some extent, like I wasn't doing enough and I wanted to have a greater impact on my community and on the world. So I started looking into different types of jobs and ended up landing at a startup where I was hired to lead a marketing department, which I hadn't actually done before, (laughs) but they seemed pretty (laughs) confident that I could do it. So I, trust I, I think I have can't. to get you on another podcast with like interview techniques
0: and how to like win a job at a bus stop <laughs> or get a job you've never done before. But anyway, we come on to that for another show. <laughs> so you got this grub in marketing, and tell me a bit more about sort of how that was a springboard to get you to where you are now.
1: Yeah. So to be honest, I had already my brother had already introduced me to Esther and Mateus at that point, and they had shared their idea for Pock Pock. And at the time, it was it was quite the seed of an idea. It was like a little hobby project that they were working on on the weekends, and it really just stuck in my head. And my brother and his co-founder and and partner at Snowman were also really compelled by the idea. And all five of us kind of just kept talking about it. And I had gone on to have this job, and I was working really hard crazy startup life and Pok was still kind of floating in the back of my mind as something that you know I felt like could get me out of bed in the morning in a, in a bigger way than what I was doing at the startup so ultimately I just had no choice but to <laughs> come back to to the guys and and Mateus and Esther and say like let's 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 do this and it was a oh it was gosh. really a, so a decision exciting. that we made as a team it was not just me yeah. we all felt really excited about it Oh, that's amazing. So
0: what was it about Pop Pop? What was what's that special ingredient that got you so fired up and ready to jump
1: in? Well... First, it was their initial idea. So they had just given birth to their second son, and they already had a toddler at home. And they were, you know, millennial parents started looking for things for their their kids to play with on iPad or iPhone when those moments would strike and, and screen time felt right. And they really weren't finding anything that they felt good about sharing with them. This was back in 2018. You know, there was a lot of highly stimulating kind of addictive video games that weren't really designed for preschoolers and on the other end of the spectrum there were a lot of very pedagogical academic apps that are centered around you know memorizing something and regurgitating the information and they were looking for something more creative and open ended so that their kids could not only play without you know support from a parent but also be really empowered to think for themselves and and learn how to think outside of the box so they had this idea to make a digital storybook for their kids, which would have no language at all. It would just be little icons you could tap. They would animate and make a gentle sound effect. And they started working on it on the weekends and it was just gorgeous. I remember Mateus coming from Belgium to Toronto with some illustrations that Esther had drawn and I was just blown away. I had lived in the kids' space for so long and had never seen anything that beautiful for kids And I'd also was just so touched by their idea and what they wanted to do with it. And so, you know, the five of us really banded together and started thinking like, what could this be? And we ended up realizing like, it's not just a little app that they're going to make on the weekend, but it's, it's a whole company centered around this idea that we want to help raise the next generation of creative thinkers.
0: Oh, I absolutely love that. I literally had goosebumps as you were talking about. It, it was really, <laughs> really lovely. It's so, so cool to be in that spark of creativity and to be starting something new and fresh. And I think, you know, with anything new, you, you're about to embark on a really big journey and you're kind of leaving the safety net of a job and a salary and you're just going all in. So was there anything that came up for you in that period? What, what were your big obstacles that you had to overcome to make this leap?
1: I think there was a lot of, there were a lot of things. I think fear and self-doubt were definitely big ones. I was really lucky to be surrounded by people who believed in me and and who I also really believed in. And I think being a a founder can be sometimes kind of lonely. So I'm so grateful to have co-founders because not everybody does, but it's really important to have, if you don't have a co-founder, to just have people who can lift you up when you're feeling down. And I think that I really pushed through the fear by thinking about the fact that, you know, no matter how experienced other people might be, like, literally everybody out there is just faking it until they make it. And so <laughs> that kind of was a comforting thought to realize, like, when my brother started his company with his partner, they didn't know how to build a successful indie game studio or creative studio, they didn't know what, like, they just figured it out as they went. And 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 then I talked to so many other entrepreneurs who were like, yeah, I don't know. I just tried. And I think <laughs> that was really, really a huge wake up call. I was like, oh, no one knows what they're doing at first. And then you, you just start to build skills and you think that it sounds kind of cheesy, but you have to really believe in yourself. So when I'm afraid or feeling doubt, I really just try to think about how the playing field's actually very even out there. Because like, we're honestly just people floating through the universe on a rock at the end of the day, and we're all (laughs) trying our best. So I think just, you know, imagining what that worst case scenario would be, and then realizing it's actually not that bad. So maybe I left my job and some security, and we were taking a risk with Pock Pock, But I think it would have been riskier not to take a risk because I think being stagnant is like a very dangerous, dangerous thing.
0: Oh, hell yes. I think there's a stagnant <laughs> disease that we all need to absolutely swerve away from and like live fully. Yeah. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Oh God, there's so high vibe, this conversation. Okay, so tell me, <laughs> tell me more. You know, in terms of growing your business, what would you say if you look back now, what's the single best thing that you think you've done?
1: Oh, listening to kids. <laughs> A hundred percent. It's It might sound a little strange, but, and there are so many important things that we've done to, to get to where we are now and to continue growing. But when you, when you design something for kids, it's really important to talk to them and hear them and understand them because ultimately, you know, our user actually isn't our customer because our users are the children and they're, they tend to be under six years old and the, the customer is the parent. And at the very beginning, I think we talked to parents a lot, which was super helpful in understanding pain points and making sure we were entering a market Mm -hmm. that made sense and all of those really important things. Mm -hmm. But to build a product that has the potential for longevity and and can really stand out amongst the crowd, you need to have kids involved because they know what's fun. They know what's best. They're honest (laughs) like no other. And they're very intuitive. (laughs) And so I think being just yeah. really open to connecting with kids throughout the entire journey, from like the day we started with Esther's just two Esther's two kids, all the way to now like the hundreds of families and schools we work with for play testing and different things. It's been really eye opening, and it's really pushed us in different directions with the product. And I I always say like you can have great marketing, but if you don't have a great product, you kind of have nothing. So we yeah. really focused on product, yeah. and that meant focusing on kids.
0: Oh, wow. Amazing. And that makes total sense now when you're saying it because, of course, customer research, customer feedback, it's absolutely critical to growth and not to just have all these assumptions and not really knowing what you're doing or why you're doing it or it's all in your head. It's This is a good idea, right? Yeah, but actually have that <laughs> feedback. It's crit- um, and like you say, yeah. you're not going to get more honest than kids. So, fantastic. No. And as- <laughs> I'm really interested to know that because you're obviously building this, this is not only design, this isn't only play, this is actually going into technology space and going into building the that side of things and needing to have some investment behind you to really grow and scale this and impact millions of kids all around the world. So tell us a little bit about your journey going into investment. How did you get to that decision point that you were going to do it?
1: It's a good question. So we thought a lot about this, honestly, because we knew from my brother's company that we had the skills and the team to build a really healthy business without external funding. But we thought a lot about the, the environment. And this is also pre-pandemic, by the way. So back then, things were even much more different than they are now in the digital play and ed tech space but you know we really feel like we're in the we're in a renaissance of digital play and learning and the pandemic thrusted that forward even faster and even further but back even in 2018 2019 while we were incubating this idea we thought a lot about that and we knew that there was a sense of urgency to get this not only out into the world but also to grow it fast enough to stay relevant and also to serve the community of families that we were hoping to serve. So it was a pretty easy decision to therefore pivot from an idea of like, this is going to be a great small business or medium sized business Mm -hmm. to let's grow this into a rocket ship. And in order to do that, of course, to do it fast enough, you just need funding because, you know, there's just so many things that you have to, you have to spend money on at the beginning and we didn't have the cash. So It was it was a pretty quick decision. And yeah, funding is definitely a marathon, not a sprint.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are your big lessons from going through an investment journey, even right from the start? And just tell us a little bit about where you've got to now.
1: Sure. So I would say like the biggest, the biggest thing is relationship. If you are even thinking that you might raise money, at some point in your life start building relationships now because that is truly the secret sauce to fundraising it's about who you know who you're connected with who trusts you because fundamentally speaking when you're when you're looking to raise capital you meet somebody and maybe you meet a few more folks on their team whether it's you know a fund or an angel investor or even a company and you don't have too much time to get to know each other, but then you dive into marriage. And so <laughs> it's the longer you have to build that relationship, the better. And mm-hmm. I think that funding has a lot of, excuse me, it has a lot of politics and a lot of, you know, it, it can go any which way at any given moment. Like you, there are highs, there are lows and And if you have relationships and a network that you can trust, it's such a really powerful foundation because when you have those bad days, when you've had three no's and you're like, what am I even doing with my life? You have a network to lean on to say, okay, I need, I need 10 more intros. I need to go, I need to go call that guy I met three years ago at that thing. Because I remember he said that like his cousin was an investor. Like you just have to be so scrappy and spend wow. a lot of time okay. building relationships. And then I think trusting your gut is the other thing because it's just like dating. Like when you meet somebody and you're like, hmm, you know, do I like you? Do I not like you? If the vibe <laughs> is good, then that is so powerful. Don't let that go, I would say. And it's really important to okay. see those relationships through, even if you don't end up getting money from that person keep that relationship very strong. It it can be very powerful down the line. And there's always, you know, there can be many, many reasons for why you don't move forward with a certain investor. Um, And then, yeah, having, having just all that extra time to get to know each other is really useful too.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And really good insight for anyone out there thinking to jump in and get their startup funded. So tell us a bit more about some of the ballsy moves that you've done to succeed.
1: I think one of the ballsiest things I did was when I was pretty young. When I first moved to Germany, I couldn't speak any German yet. So I started working as a bicycle tour guide and I would just give like bike tours of the city. And it was really amazing money, by the way, for anyone who's looking for some cash. (laughs) Highly recommend. (laughs) Maybe travel has changed a lot now with COVID. But anyway, at the time I had, I was like 21, 22. Fresh off the plane from Canada, I'm like, I'm gonna be a travel writer. So this was like a a very short blip in my life where I thought this was the career that I wanted. And one day on one of my bike tours, the the like chief editor of Condé Nast Travel Magazine was one of my guests, and I was thinking like, holy shit, like I I gotta I wanna <laughs> connect with this person, but I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business experience whatsoever. I was fresh out of university. And I spent the whole tour just like really trying to, you know, be amazing and kind of get into my groove and, and connect with them. And, and at the end of the tour, I just was like, screw it, I'm going to just ask. So I just was like, hey, are you yes. are you hiring? And I just kind of asked him for a job in like a very strange way. <laughs> and I think I, I just shocked him. He was definitely not expecting it. And he just, so he gave me his card and he was like, let's connect. Like I'm on vacation, clearly. So I can't really talk about this yeah. now, but email me. Email me in two weeks when I'm home and and we'll chat. And I was like, Holy shit, like maybe I'm gonna work at Condonas. This would be so great. And then it obviously went absolutely nowhere. I was ghosted, but <laughs> I think that no. um, <laughs> I've got but, it for you. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was fun and it gave me the confidence boost. I remember coming home and telling you know my boyfriend at the time, like, hey, guess what I did today? And like, I don't know if it's gonna work out, but I was really empowered by it. I think there's something yeah. about taking risks like that that just, you know, give you energy. And so I would say, yeah, yeah like doing lots of things like that, just not being afraid to fail and mm-hmm. not feeling too self conscious, the best thing you can do to to move yourself ahead. Although that didn't work, I very shortly after met my my friend who worked at Disney so it all worked out in the
0: end see that was just your practice run for the for the the bus stop (laughs) for the bus stop (laughs) that was brilliant I love that story and fantastic thank you for sharing so is there an in any way do you feel that you missed an opportunity during these sort of early phases when you're wearing all the hats and you're doing all the things what could you share with the listeners
1: I have a lot of things from my past and I, but I think being, it also comes down to being bold. I think we were very, we're very mature in our careers already when we decided to start POC I mean, we're still relatively young in the scheme of life, but we'd all had about a decade of experience doing other things. And so that, that I think gave us a huge leg up, but we made mistakes. Oh yeah, of course. I think one of the biggest ones we made was probably with our first funding, because we we actually did a great job. We got we we were oversubscribed for our round in one afternoon, and we were very excited and ended up raising more than we wanted at an amazing valuation. And, and that went really well. But looking back on it now, I think it was a sign to us that we should have maybe taken a step back and reevaluated our strategy. So potentially it would have been a great opportunity to raise even more money while, you know, like the iron was hot, if you will. I don't think it yeah. it's nothing that like ruined our company because we we obviously set out to raise and we did it and and we're we're still going and everything's great but that was a moment where I thought hmm had I ever, had I raised money before I might have known to you know pad things a little more because you know you always need more money than you think and and while we're not running okay. out of money by any means I think just understanding when the timing and the opportunity line up perfectly so for example okay. like you can you can have an amazing business and product and team and go out and raise, but the timing could be wrong and it could take way too mm-hmm. long, or you could end up kind of in the opposite situation where the market is so hot for things like, let's say, crypto, Web3, and you, you actually don't even have mm-hmm. a product or a team or a company, but you can raise like $10 million at a crazy valuation because you're just right on time. So I think yeah. just having the experience to step back and see the situation from kind of a bird's eye view is something that I've learned, you know, throughout the last couple of years. And so anyone out there who might be fundraising, I would say like the best thing to do is just take a step back and see like, where do you line up in terms of your, your offering, your team, your timing, the capital that you need. Is it really what you need? Is it more, is it less? And just really figure out like where you stand there because I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and, we learned so much through every, everything that we're doing, but that was one moment where I thought, hmm, you know, maybe we could have done things differently. And we're very happy with how it turned out ultimately, but you never know. And we'll never that's know. That's amazing
0: insight. <laughs> that's amazing insight, though, for anyone that's like, wait, it's all coming in. It's like, take a moment. <laughs> you can make that yeah. even better. Fantastic. And what's one thing that you're really excited about right now?
1: Well, I'm going to become a mom soon, so I'm very excited about oh, that. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, an exciting personal journey obviously in my in my private life, but also for work because I'm finally going to enter our demographic and, and I can't wait to to just get to know it even better. So I'm very excited for that. I think when When you're running a company, it's amazing if the problem can be as close to you as possible. So I'm very excited to get my hands dirty as a parent and really see, you know, what else we can do in the space. And maybe it'll drum up some more inspiration for future products. So that's probably what I'm most excited for.
0: I have no doubt. I'm sure you're going to get lots (laughs) of inspo on your journey. This is amazing. And I suppose, I mean, everything that's going on and definitely entering this new phase of life. Wow. What are your top challenges that you feel that you're facing right now?
1: So the first one I would have to say is time. (laughs) Being, you know, being a small team, there's just never enough time to do anything. The days fly by in seconds. Every week feels like a day. Every month feels like a week. It's just insane. The other thing I I would say is focus. So it's very hard to say no to things that you desperately want to do and you know would move the dial for your company. But you just in the early stages, you have to stay focused or in my opinion, you can really get screwed. So I think just staying focused is actually one of the biggest challenges because we have so many ideas.
0: What are you doing to overcome your challenges of time and
1: focus? (laughs) Great question. <laughs> focus, uh, the biggest thing is like, I have a sticky on my wall that just says focus. And whenever I'm like, very tempted to do something, I just look at it. and I'm like, shit, nope, got to focus. And everyone in our team knows that. So focus is the focus. And we all have to keep each other in line. So I think just working together as a team to keep that focus ironically is yeah. is kind of important because it's very easy to get into the weeds and be like oh well this mm. you know this could be something let's let's explore it for a week but a week in startup time is like a month in in regular time so yeah. we have to make sure yeah. we're not wasting any of it and then on the time front number one we're hiring right now and that's going to help and number two Definitely. you know we're in a, we're in a really exciting growth stage too so i think as we get more members on the team we'll just naturally have a little bit more time long-term, I think timing will always be everybody's problem, right? Like we all run out of time every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is the number one. That's brilliant. So What do you <laughs> think is the key to success?
1: I would say it's probably resilience because life is hard. Running a company is hard. And you're going to make a million mistakes. I know I have. But none of that matters if you learn from them and can dust yourself off and get back up and just try again. And it might seem kind of trivial to say resilience, because maybe it's too obvious. But I think that most people out there probably, you know, dwell and overthink and worry and wonder. And I've totally been in that situation. And and I'm still in that situation for certain things in my life. But I think, you know, being resilient is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal, because the only people getting in our way are ourselves. So when I when I feel like I'm having a non-resilient moment, I think, you know, why is that? It's just me. Like, just get out of your own way, Melissa, and and let yourself go. And then I feel like that's when, you know, true success can really shine because it just lets you, it kind of frees you in some way.
0: Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a great one. Okay, so quick fire round questions for you now, Melissa. Okay. Tell us yes. something that people often get wrong about you.
1: My age. They think I'm way younger than I am. <laughs>
0: You have no need to share your age on this show. Our lady, no, should never be asked, but I think it's great. You know, if you're like, beauty regime is working, you go, girl. That's all good. So, it's what's genetics. one thing you wish you'd done sooner? <laughs> it's just genetics. You're not going to sell any product on the show. Okay. What's one thing you wish you'd done sooner?
1: I probably would have started building relationships for fundraising sooner.
0: Nice. Okay. And yeah. what's the best part about your job?
1: Oh, the kids. And the feedback we get from the kids. Brilliant! What's the best bit
0: of feedback you've ever got from a kid?
1: Oh, it was just very recently a mother emailed us from Australia. Her son, who's two, is in the hospital battling leukemia, and she sent us a message because Pock—he's stuck in bed. He lives at the hospital, and Pok Pock has brought him just a lot of joy in his journey, and it's been able to help further his education while he's stuck in bed. And she sent me a photo of him, you know, connected to wires. And it was just really moving to see how oh to see him playing yeah. pock-pock. and and then we ended up in a very long back and forth. And actually, I speak to her now occasionally because, yeah, she just explained how much it's made a difference in her son's life, how it's really sparked his imagination and empowered him throughout this awful time and hearing his feedback we added dinosaurs recently to the app and he loves dinosaurs so That's you know so he, cool. he really wanted us to know that and yeah those those things just yeah they just like uh, it, yeah it they're just gonna get you. you right yeah wow yeah, I'm okay. very proud wonderful
0: <laughs> and what's the biggest lesson in running your own business
1: oh take breaks from it get away just get distance nice. once in a while Yeah.
0: I highly advocate that as well. Fantastic. And what are the best resources that have helped you along the way, be that a book or a podcast or something else?
1: I'd say like talking to other founders, leveraging my community. I listened to How I Built This, the NPR podcast, a lot, which I love. Just really, I love it. Just so inspirational. And then very early on in my career, I read Know Your Value by Mika Brzezinski. It's a book my grandfather bought me. And yeah, it just really flipped my switch on how I approach life as a woman in the professional world and I recommend everybody read it so I go back to that often
0: oh, oh a link will be in the show notes that sounds like a great one Thank you. <laughs> okay one piece of leadership advice that you wish you'd known earlier or is so terrible you need to warn her
1: talk to every single person on your team often get their feedback empower them to challenge you create a space where there's a constant dialogue because yeah idea amazing ideas can come from anybody at any time and often they mm-hmm. see things you could never see as the person leading the company yeah.
0: yeah love that that's a great one and what if you're having a tough day something's getting you down what is the one music track that lights you up so you can take on the day
1: <laughs> oh gosh I've played this countless times it would be this is me by Kiala subtle it's from the greatest showman movie soundtrack <laughs> yeah. it's kind of cheesy but she's an amazing singer and the 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 lyrics just yeah they get me every time highly recommend (laughs) it's
0: amazing in series two I had a guest who gave us that exact same answer (laughs) so it's brilliant it's like you're the second founder that that is lit up so if you guys haven't listened to it you make sure you click on that link and try out that track because it is a it's a belter it's a great one. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, you have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. And I hope your continued success and awards and accomplishments and great, wonderful feedback from the kids keeps on coming. I have no doubt it will. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. I hope that you found that burst of inspiration and motivation you need to start building the business you love do check out every episode's show notes for links to these fabulous companies these superstars are building. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you are invited to come and join all of us from this series over on LinkedIn and the Snippets of Genius community. And finally, if you haven't already subscribed, get on over to your preferred podcast platform, search and subscribe to Snippets of Genius and get every episode sent directly to you. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you next week.